Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. It's time for Game Day, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, with your hosts, Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario. And welcome to another edition of Game Day, area's longest-running Notre Dame pregame show now in its 49th season. Today is the final regular season game for your Fighting Irish, taking on the Orange from Syracuse. Notre Dame's a heavy favorite, but there are many storylines going into today's game. The last home game for the seniors can always be interesting. A win today will mark three straight undefeated seasons at home. A win today by Ian Book will make him undefeated in his career at Notre Dame. And a win by Ian Book will have will make him the most wins by a starting quarterback in Notre Dame's illustrious history, passing many memorable names. As Brian Kelly says about Book, he just wins games. So a lot happening at the stadium that Rockley built, but we won't be out playing today on game day. In the next two hours, you will hear from 15 guests, I dare say, in 49 years, the most guests ever on game day. Guests like Tony Rice, Frank Pomerico, Ross Browner, Pat Terrell, Luther Bradley, Vegas Ferguson, to just name some of them. So let's get started, and let's bring in my champion co-host, Vince Hmm. D'Addario. Good morning, Vince. That's quite the introduction. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, no, this is great. This is the last home game of the season. Uh, I actually get to go to the game today, so that's uh, a different feeling than it has been all year. So that's going to be a lot of fun. You mean and I, can't t- I can't text you during the game in the, in the press box? Can oh, no, no, no. You can still can text, text me because okay. I'll be, there, there's still people that are going to be 20 feet away from me on all sides. So I might as well be watching it at my house. <laughs> but but uh, this is one of the strangest senior days ever because, yes. frankly – Every Who's single person, every <laughs> single person on the field can come back next year. So, right. uh, you know, we know some of the guys that aren't coming back. Ian Book being one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's still going to be a very strange senior day, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of reporting in the off season as to who is coming back and who's going to be invited back and and who's not coming back, et cetera. So, um, it's a little anticlimactic because of the opponent, but at the same time, they've got a lot of things ahead of them that they're going to be paying attention to and that's the important thing can you use this game to get better moving into the next hopefully three games of the season and what a great segue because uh, on this show today we are going to have representatives from the 73 championship team the 77 championship team and the 88 championship team and they are just kind of in the, towards their last game in the same position our current Irish in right now you still got a lot of things going on and coming up so let's let's get them in here. Let's get the seventy-three guys in here. We've got uh, George Hayduck from the defensive line, uh, Dan Morin from the offensive line, linebacker Gary Potempa, and from the old line and a captain Frank Pomerico. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Well, this is going to be uh, real fun. First of all, I just want to check everybody healthy. Everybody's doing well. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Going right side of the grass. Yes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's the best place to be. All right, let's let's just start off and leading into the seventy three. We're gonna get right at it. Um, Frank, tell me what was going into the seventy three coming out of seventy two, which you know was a bad loss at the end of that season. Well, it was, it, and through the ashes of that defeat, I think what happened is the guys 
wanted to commit themselves to prove that we weren't that bad of a team. And slowly, as the offseason started progressing, we saw guys with more enthusiasm, training harder in the offseason. And then once the summer came and camp came, we were ready to go. And that uh, season-ending loss was against Nebraska, for those of us that were still living there and watching at that time, 40-6. to And you are right. That's about the biggest uh, fire ashes that you could come out of. How about defensive? Did I read correctly that, and I knew Joe Yanto, but I didn't know what year that he, he started in Notre Dame. So uh, Gary um, and George, uh, George, Joe Yanto took over in that season? Joe, uh, Joe Yanto uh, was my mm-hmm. coach uh, the whole time I was there. Okay. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, well, Paul Schultz was uh, – was uh, in charge of defensive backs, and George Kelly was part was in charge of uh, linebackers uh, with Gary Patempa. and uh, Joe. Uh, Joe was quite the character. Uh, I don't know if you ever had a chance to meet him. Yes, uh, he produced uh, quite a few great players. Uh, sure did. Not necessarily me, but uh, <laughs> you got, you got... <laughs> you're being modest. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was very fortunate. I tell people that. Uh, um, being from a very small little town in uh, Pennsylvania by the name of Thackeryville, um, I was very fortunate to be able to be part of something very special uh, at a place with uh, at, at Notre Dame. And, of course, to be associated with great guys like uh, Frank, Dan, and Gary, and a lot of other guys. And, of course, uh, our coach, Eric Parsegan, uh, uh, it's difficult to come up with some great, you know, some words to really describe what kind of a guy he was and what he meant to everybody on the team and uh, what he did for us. And, you know, that's, uh, that's a good, uh, a good point. Now, one of my things I was going to ask later on, but I'll just ask now for each one of you, if I mentioned era, what's the first couple of words that come to your mind, Frank? Well, I would say class, integrity, character. I mean, he had uh, intensity. Uh, he was somebody that you, when he came into the room, you say, I want to be around this guy. Gary? I, yeah, I got something to say. He, uh, when, when he recruited me, uh, you know, all these other schools, uh, Tennessee, Michigan, uh, you know, Wisconsin, they're all saying, oh, you're going to come in, you're going to be starting running back, or you're going to be starting linebacker. You know, we need you to right now. And Eric, Eric calls us in the office on the Sunday morning and says, uh, says listen, I'm going to give you a chance to come here to Notre Dame and play football. And I thought to myself, that's about as honest a, a thing a guy could tell you. And even at 18, I realized that uh, some of those guys were just kind of blowing some smoke, you know. And uh, but Eric was like, came right out and said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to play in Notre Dame," and and that impressed me beyond, you know, beyond belief, actually, you know. Hey, uh, Dan Morin, comments on Era? Uh, it's. It's hard to believe how much of a influence he had throughout the whole, my whole life. You know, when we, we got recruited there, he was such a, a big part of our life then, and it just remains that way all through my life, how I go through business using a lot of the things that he taught us. The biggest thing is uh, how good of a team uh, we were. I, I mean, I, in the four years we were there, I think our talent, in our senior year, we won a national championship. It was about the least of the four years, but I think we had the best team, and it's what Ara taught us that that being a team member and a teammate to everybody, it was such an important thing. And and you know, somebody got hurt or somebody uh, uh, was having a bad day or something like the next guy come in and 
And that's how we won the national championship. That's how we won after after uh, we were afraid to lose uh, after that Nebraska game. And that's why we we I guess the whole next year, every time we thought we could have Nebraska again here. So, I mean, that's why we went undefeated. And that's what Aaron meant to me. I mean, he still was a part of my life now. George Hayda. Well, it's, uh, we used to call him the man. And uh, we were there at uh, uh, Notre Dame playing for him. And uh, he was like uh, the other guys talked about. He was the man. He was the uh, inspiration behind us. Uh, he was a great organizer. He was a great motivator. He was very charismatic. Um, I remember um, specifically uh, after practice, he would uh, get us together as a group. And uh, he was he could really read people. And he, could, he knew that at times. We, you know, we were down. We were feeling bad. We had a lot of things going on in our lives in school and stuff like that. And he knew the exact words to say. And uh, just you know, uplifted our spirits and uh, uh, made us feel great about ourselves. And he was that kind of a guy. Uh, he was, uh, like we said, like I said, he was the man uh, to us and a uh, great leader. Hey, guys, speaking of era and, uh, you know, obviously he meant a lot to you guys. And but and Gary mentioned that that little talk in his office on a Sunday might have been one of the reasons that you came to Notre Dame. But I wanted to ask you guys. Specifically, what brought you to Notre Dame? Was it a visit to campus? Was it just where you always wanted to go? What kind of spurned you to, to become Irish uh, back when you signed on the dotted line, so to speak? We'll go in the same order. Frank, go ahead. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, I, I went to the same school as Larry DiNardo, uh, Jerry DiNardo's uh, brother. Uh, Jerry and I grew up together from the fifth grade at Our Lady of Grace and went to St. Francis Prep together. And we always wanted to mimic everything Larry DiNardo did. He was a captain in 1970, also at a consensus All-American. And he was also valedictorian of our high school. So here is somebody that was a great example to follow. He used to come home and tell us mostly about the era Parsesian and his teammates and the kind of uh, people that were at Notre Dame. So that was the thing that spurred me on is to be around a person like Eric Parsesian, who was able to draw so much out of people to produce and to be part of his family and to have that unity and oneness as a team. And that's why I think in 73, we were so special, because really because of Eric and because of the depth we had. Uh, guys that were first team were uh, good players, but the guys that were second team were just as good. And that happened when guys got hurt and other guys stepped in. We didn't skip a beat. So that was the reason why 73 was such a unified team. Dan Moran. Uh, I went to a high school uh, that was really good. I had the, like one of the best high school, I think one of the best high school coach in the, in the country, Mr. Bettison. And we had a lot of guys get recruited all over the country. And when Notre Dame recruited me, I, I couldn't believe I was getting recruited by Notre Dame. You know, I was from I like George. I was from a little town in, in Pennsylvania. And uh, my grandfather <clears throat> used to go to the games and, you know, see Newt Rockney. And so when I went there, it was like the I, – I went for my coach because it was – I wanted to, to – I was the first guy from my high school to get recruited by Notre Dame. And uh, it was like the, 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 the best place to go. And if I, if I was going to go anywhere, uh, the best place, that was it. There wasn't any – I could have went to Penn State, but I went to Notre Dame. And, and uh, 
uh, it was uh, the uh, the best thing that ever happened to me as far as uh, is that, especially winning the national championship. When we won, it, it was big, but it got bigger every year. It, it, uh, Ten years later, it was bigger. I mean, I'm talking to you now because I was a member of a 73 national championship <laughs> team and not the 72 national championship team or the 71 or the 75. It's, and having that at Notre Dame, and Ira would say every year, if you win all your games, you'll be the national champion. And Ira was right. If you win all your games at Notre Dame, you'll be the national champion. That's just the way it is. It has never changed because that's the way it is. So, I mean, that's my thoughts, how I went to Notre Dame. Gary Potempa. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I went to, uh, of all places, I went to Notre Dame High School, which oh. is uh, <laughs> in uh, Niles, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. And uh, all the all our teachers were priests, and all of them were uh, CSC guys. They were all uh, either former uh, Notre Dame students or uh, – or our teachers that came to the high school and taught, and uh, and one of our, one of our Joiano actually was a coach for Notre Dame High School for a while, before he came to Notre Dame, and then uh, that was just before me. But uh, but uh, there was a guy L Oboy that was a uh, linebacker and running back for Notre Dame in the '60s. That was my uh, linebacker coach, and so I had I had a huge influence in it. And uh, but my high school coach was kind of funny. He didn't give us any letters or anything throughout our career until our senior year was over. Oh, wow. And then he goes, he called everyone in and said, uh, and said, uh, bring 10 questions from your dad, you know? And, and so we, so we do that. And he, I said to him, uh, well, my dad and I thought, well, do you think I can get a scholarship? And he goes, Oh no, no, wait, wait, wait. He goes, you tell me where you want to go. Everybody wants you. And then <laughs> I, I was overwhelmed. I went to 10 visits Visited ten schools. Wow! And I actually got got sick of it. To be honest with you. <laughs> and then when I went to Notre Dame. I decided to go on a Saturday and not come on Friday night because I was so sick of it. I want to be home for one Friday, you know. And uh, but anyway, when I when I got there and uh, there was a guy named John Eggert that played on a basketball team that uh, was from my high school, and so I had him there. And uh, and and really, all the priests, no nobody would say go to Notre Dame. I asked his father, Corcoran, I said, hey, father, what do you think? He goes, I can't tell you what to do. Be a man. You know? and I mean, I, I, was, I was thinking to myself, you know, at 18, are you a man? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know? And, and, uh, but anyway, after all the, you know, hemming and hawing and thinking, and, uh, and actually my coach was from Missouri, and, and Dan Devine was at Missouri, and he really wanted me. And, and my high school coach said, oh, you can't play at, at Missouri. And I'm like, oh, my God. Telling me I can't do something's like, you know, forget it. As soon as you tell me I can't do it, I'm doing it. And so I was very interested in Missouri. But then finally, you know, after after just on my own, I, I just decided Notre Dame is the place. Uh, being a Catholic guy from Notre Dame High School, and it's only 100 miles away. It was a perfect match. And I was really into academics and uh, and, and studied pre-med and became a dentist. And, uh, and the... Uh, I, I felt like they, they really cared about academics and, and, and were willing to give you a chance in both areas. And that, that was big for me. George Hayduck, how about you on your recruitment? Well, uh, as a young kid growing up in Pennsylvania, like Dan did, uh, I can remember uh, where I watched the 1966 uh, game of the century between Notre Dame and Michigan State. When I was a young kid, I can remember exactly where I was at. I was in my aunt's house because she had a color television and we didn't. 
And uh, from then on, I, uh, I started thinking about, you know, the possibility of going to Notre Dame and uh, playing football. And, and uh, uh, it, it, was a, it was one of those dreams, of course, because you're a young kid. And as I started going to high school, like I remember the first day I walked into seventh grade, we got a small school. We had uh, junior high and senior high together. I walked into the seventh grade uh, social studies class, and the football coach was the uh, <laughs> was the teacher. And I was, you know, pretty good size for, you know, 13, 14 years old at the time. And uh, the coach says, hey, are you going to be playing football? I said, well, I guess so, you know. And uh, I'm going to get you a scholarship to Notre Dame. I said, yeah, right. So, uh, anyways, as time progressed and things like that, I started playing football, of course, and uh, um, I started being recruited by uh, a lot of different teams on the East Coast. And like Gary said, you know, you think like back then you could take 10, 12 trips. And uh, I, uh, I verbally committed to Penn State back then. You didn't, you didn't have to sign until a lot later on. And uh, I told Penn State, I said, listen, Joe Paterno, I said, listen, I'm going to go here. Uh, to Penn State, but I want to take some trips. So I went to Miami, I went to North Carolina State, and I, you know, have, have a nice time and uh, started to travel. <laughs> and uh, never thinking about Notre Dame because I hadn't heard from them. And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from Notre Dame in April, my senior year. Oh, wow. And uh, they said they wanted me to come off for a trip. And I said, What? Are you kidding me? I said, I never expected it in a million years because I had not heard from them. So, of course, I, I took a trip out there, met Era, met a bunch of the players, the Golden Dome, uh, being a huge Notre Dame fan, Catholic, uh, all the other kind of stuff. And I was, you know, you did say you're done, stick you with a fork. Well, I was done. Uh, Era said, we want you to play for us. I said, okay, coach, where do I sign? And that was it. Uh, it, was, it was a fulfillment of, uh, like I said before, a dream I had when, Going back to watching the '66 game on uh, TV at my aunt's place, so wow. I, I think we all can say it was a pretty wise decision what we made. <laughs> That's George uh, Hayduck and Frank Pomerico, Gary Potempa, and Dan Morin on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show on 96.1 WSBT. If things go fast, guys, we only got five minutes, so we're gonna—I was gonna spend some time on USC and the the real yeah. game of the century uh, against Alabama. So let's just get into that Alabama game. And stuff too, because well, I still remember that. I mean, that was the shoot. Howard Cosell was in a tux covering the game. I mean, every, it was the game, right, at the time. So let's start. Let's give George the first thing. George, some memories from that Sugar Bowl uh, game that won the national championship. Well, it, it's it's interesting because uh, I was uh, riding to the bus uh, on the bus to the game uh, prior to it, and I, I was going to start. I was going to be starting a defensive tackle, and I'm. I was thinking to myself, look, uh, looking back on you know my 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 short life. Then I was only 22 years old or something, and uh, I'm thinking to myself, wow. I said, here I am, going to play for the national championship uh, before 80,000 people in the stadium and millions on TV. How fortunate, how lucky am I? Uh, some guy from Factoryville, Pennsylvania, being able to do something like that. And then getting on the field and playing against Alabama and uh, the Bear and everything else. And it was just a great experience. And then, of course, you know what happened at the end with the pass play. And uh, I tell people, they ask me, uh, you know, uh, what was it playing for, like playing for air and playing the national championship? And you see, I said, well, you don't really appreciate a lot of things when you're, when you're young and dumb like that. It only, <laughs> it only happens when you get a little bit older. So 
as we get older, like Dan says, we, we appreciate things a lot more uh, that we were able to, we were fortunate to be able to part of. And that's, that's what I remember a lot about the, uh, the Alabama uh, game and the circuit ball. Gary. Yeah. You know, I, uh, you know, being a, a same like George, when you're on your way over, that's all we heard was roll tide. And that place was full of Alabama people. I mean, they were, <laughs> they were everywhere, you know, and uh, even my dad who hardly ever went to any games said, uh, What's with these people? Roll Tide. Everybody's Roll Tide, Roll Tide. But I, I got out to that game, and I was thinking to myself, uh, you know, I have a big smile on my face because I'm like, I love playing, and I'm and I'm into this, and I can't wait to play Alabama. And I and I didn't think, you know, like today everybody thinks Alabama's so great, and I think, well, they're just another team, you know. And I and I couldn't wait to play in that first quarter. The defense held them to no yards. They got zero yards. I, and I was like, oh, my God, we're killing these guys. You know, and then Bear Bryant takes a whole first offense, sits him down, and brings out Richard. And, uh, but it 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 went it, it went along, and the offense started clicking. And uh, Al Hunter had that ninety uh, yard kickoff return. Right. And and uh, and I'm telling you what, I I've never been so excited in my life, and uh, and I'm still excited about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dan Moore, how about you, uh, your thoughts? We got about a minute for you and a minute for Frank. When we got to uh, that game. I didn't. I don't. I remember thinking we could never lose. I never. We, the idea that we could lose the game never came into our my thought, and I, and I got that about everybody on the team, and it just was not something that was going to happen. And, and when we got there, it was such a big deal, being in front of all the people and and on TV, and it was just you know being from Notre Dame, it was something that wasn't going to happen, and it was, we we knew we were going to win, and. It's funny afterwards. It set, it set you up in life so much because when you were in part of that game, beating Bear Bryant, winning the national championship, if you went to a meeting with somebody, you say, "Hey, we beat Alabama. We beat. We we won the national championship. We, we it, it, nothing nothing can beat that." You know, so it just really sets you up for the rest of your life, and it was something that wasn't going to happen. Us losing to those guys. You get That's the last it. word, Frank Pomerico. Well, I never had an, an expression. We we have no breaking point. And if you remember in that, I don't know if you do, but if you ever watched that game, the lead changed seven times. Oh, and I, I remember. And I was amazed how our defense was playing. I mean, this was the most explosive offense mm -hmm. of the year, and our defense was crushing them most of the game. And then uh, our offense was starting to move, and we were starting to pick up yardage. And the guys that – Everybody had an input in the game. One of the great plays in that game was the 93-yard kickoff return by Al Hunter. But people don't remember that Dan Morin made the key block up the middle to spring Al, Al Hunter for that 93 yards. And it's something that I'll never forget because Dan was an integral part of the team and he did it. The most important thing that day was to block in that kickoff return. And it turned out to help us win the national championship. So it, it was a memorable game. And it was something that we'll never forget. But the Southern Cal game was really a big game, too. <laughs> yeah, it was. Time to get into that because yeah. that, that catapulted us into the a national spotlight at that time. Well, we'll get you guys back on next season, and we'll we'll dissect that a little more. I'm sorry, but time just flies so much. A, a, a note here on uh, Gary's story about hearing "roll tide, roll tide." Somebody from that your team told me 
a number of years ago, they never could hear the word pass the roll or would you like a roll, please, after that? You know, we set them <laughs> off after hearing roll tide all the time. So anyway, we thank uh, George uh, Hayduck, Gary Potempa, Dan Morin, and Frank Pomerico from the 1973 team. You guys stay healthy and go Irish. Hey, thanks, guys. We'll be we'll be back with members of the 1977 national championship team on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT and streaming at the WSBTRadio.com. Back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. And Game Day is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule your service online at Legacy Heating and Air, Inc., Dot com and they actually came to my house on Thursday, so <laughs> big thumbs up to those guys. Great. Uh, we're also brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Joel Ladig in Mishawaka or John Shaver in South Bend by Fisher's Barbecue and Catering. Visit their new location at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive-through, carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, not all heroes wear capes. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana remind us all that we can play a role in ending hunger in our communities. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Four Winds South Bend, escape the everyday. By Genesis Products, Inc., CDLA Drivers Wanted. Send your name and phone numbers to driverswanted at genesisproductsinc.com. Genesis pays you what you're worth. 23 to $26 per hour for CDLA drivers by Industrial Door of Northern Indiana, dedicated to providing the best in garage doors, and by Irish Realty Steve Smith Team. When buying or selling a home to building and remodeling, go Irish. Irish Realty. Tim? Thanks, Vince. This is the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show on 96.1 WSBT, your home for fighting Irish. We're going to transition now from the 1973 championship team to the 1977 championship team. And our first two guests actually played on both under different coaches, too. So let's bring in Luther Bradley and uh, Ross Browner right now, and we'll wait for your buddies. But these are the two that played in both. Good, good morning, guys. Hey, good morning. morning. How you doing? Hey, Jim and Vince. <laughs> both healthy? Very good. Yeah, okay. we're, we're, I'm doing great as well, but I know how to stay out of the way. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got it, man. So, guys, tell me real, real quick. So, you did play on both these national championships. Um, uh, started off. Give me, give me coach philosophies that were different. A couple of coach philosophies that were different between Era and Dan. Ross. Um. Well, with Era, you know, of course, you know that's a, a brilliant, brilliant uh, offense and defensive mind there. So, you know, Arab just had his way of look. He just had to look at you, and he says what he wants to say. And then you say, okay, Dad, or okay, Coach, we, we're going to do exactly what you want us to do. So in 73, when Luther and I had its first uh, chance as freshmen to uh, be able to play at the varsity, and he promoted us to first team, I thought that was just a, a brilliant move on his part because, you know, we had, <laughs> we had some wonderful, wonderful teammates. And uh, to join in with them and become undefeated that year was just awesome. And then uh, with Coach Devine, uh, well, you know, it was a different strategy because Coach Devine was coming from the pros. 
uh, Green Bay Packers, and he had that full knowledge. So I really followed in with his um, coaching because I really wanted to go to the next level. So knowing that he's been at the next level, I thought that, you know, he, he did a great job for us in his leadership and everything in 77 with us. Luther yeah, Riley. And from my perspective, um, I thought that um, Era, as, as Ross said, Era was, was a genius. And uh, he knew offense, defense, special teams, and he knew it very well. And so he could coach the, each one of those positions or uh, those uh, parts of the, the game. Dan Devine, on the other hand, you know, wasn't a um, tech t technician. He was more of a uh, figurehead. And um, but, you know, he he got in, he surrounded himself with great coaches that that understood the game and understood the talent that we had. And and as Ross said, we're I'm very fortunate to have played on two great defensive teams. You know, the the team of 73 was terrific. I think we were ranked number one in the country in defense and then probably in the top five in uh, our senior year in uh, 77. So, yeah, two good teams, two good, two good coaches. Um well, I think Era was probably, I hate to say it, but Era was was terrific. Sure, I got it. Vegas, are you with us? Got it. Unmute. Hit, unmute. You just hit the unmute button on your computer or laptop. Now, there you go. Here. All right. There you go. <laughs> you can't see. Uh, you can't, guys, can, can you see me? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Good, Good morning. I, I see those glasses. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Vegas, Vegas, thank you for join, joining us. I really appreciate it. As I ask the other guys and the guests as they come on, how are you and your family? Everybody healthy? Everybody okay? Blessed. Blessed. Uh, Great. We've been doing well. Thank you very much for asking. So uh, while I got you here and, and we got these uh, two other studs on here too, give me a couple <laughs> words that you'd say about Luther, Bradley, and Ross Browner. You know, you know, when hey, I remember I'm, this is a family guys. show. Family show. <laughs> when I was being recruited, I tell these guys that all the time. Those two guys were the ones, the ones who showed me around. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. I tell you, to this day, I always tell people, I said, "Well, Luther was one of the ones that ones first ones to tell me that uh, if you come to Notre Dame, you're going to be a student first, and that's not going to be an athlete." And that really impressed me. Uh, but Ross and, and, and uh, Luther were the ones that showed me around briefly. They kind of left me, you know, in different places. But, uh, but they don't remember that. But I remember that those were the people I met when I first came to campus as, you know, as a recruit. And right. I, I was impressed with them, and, and uh, that's why I came. All right. Who came so to your house? To, did anybody <laughs> come to your house to recruit you personally, one of the coaches? Um, Brian, Brian Bula. Oh, great. He, God, he was on right, the What a guy. What a nice man. Oh, my God. Okay. Another guy, I mean, just uh, down to earth, told you, just told you, hey, if you work hard, you're going to graduate and uh, those kind of things. Just told you things, not about football. It wasn't about football with with, uh, with him. It was about making you a better person. Yes. And I think that's uh, that, uh, in the end, when, you get, when football is all said and done, you'll be a better person. And I think that uh, really, I was, at the time, my grandparents were raising me. And my, brother, my other siblings, and uh, that's what they wanted to hear, and uh, that, exactly what I wanted to hear because everybody else was telling me, all the other uh, uh, recruiters were telling me that, oh, you're gonna come and play for us, you're gonna be, you know, you're, you're gonna be a great player, you're gonna do this, and and Brian didn't say that. Brian said, hey, if you come to the University of Notre Dame, you work hard, you're gonna you're gonna have a degree when you come out of there. 
right. and back then you wasn't hearing a lot of that. You was hearing a lot of guys uh, horror stories about guys going to school and not graduating. Right. That's Vegas Ferguson. We're on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on WSBT, also with Ross Browner and Luther Bradley. So let's get into this, the, uh, the the season. The previous year, you finished nine and three against Penn State. Um, you had a couple of come from behind wins in the fourth quarter against Purdue and Clemson. Yeah. When during that season, or maybe you knew even in pre-camp that this team was going to be as good as it was and to end up where you'd be. Ross? Well, uh, you know, we, we all worked hard together and we all believed in each other and we loved each other's talent. So we were able to work with each other. And I think that was the biggest part of uh, us being a team and uh, with our leadership and everything and our, our guidance from a lot of great players like Luther and Vegas and everybody, uh, Willie Fry, I tell you what, you know, that was my, that was my uh, first double team. I mean, just defensive ends, you know, we were called bookends. And that was just a uh, genius of, uh, you know, uh, Joe Yanto and his uh, brilliance of uh, getting us together and putting us together as a team. And we had some wonderful players. I thought that uh, our leadership was great. And we just believed in each other. We Those three games that we lost, they were close. One was uh, – uh, University of Pittsburgh, and they won it that year, and we could have knocked them off, but you know uh, they had some lucky lucky throws in there, and uh, you know <laughs> so you know and then one runner called uh, Tony Dorsett that uh, kind of disrupted that year for us, but you know we went to uh, Penn, uh, I think we went to the Gator Bowl, played right. Penn State, and uh, we gained, and we just knew that we had the momentum, and uh, we just started from there, and when we uh, finally got. Uh, Joe Montana is a starter. I knew that once he started and he got a chance, his chance to really show, I knew we had a great quarterback and a great offense that could always back us up once we come off that field. Mm-hmm. Luther Bradley, did, was there a point during that season that you knew, hey, we we, we got it. We're, we're, we're going to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think it was a Southern Cal game, you know, and it, that was a turning point as far as I was concerned. I, I knew that we were pretty good. Um, but but until we beat a really good, talented team that who had just as much talent as we did, I didn't really know. I just knew that we were okay. But when we beat Southern Cal, we thrashed them. By, by the way, Absolutely. I knew that we were on the, we were on the on the way of getting to where we needed to get to, and um, and it was no stopping us. And then as as Ross said, and then of course the offense finally caught up when Montana got in, and uh, and since we were good on defense, if we had any kind of offense, we were going to be hard to beat. Vegas Ferguson, so uh, Luther alluded to that uh, USC game. You beat them thrashing 49-19. That's called the green jersey game or whatever. Yeah. What, what's, yeah. what's, your, what's your memories of that, Vegas? Well, my memories, of, again, I was doing that. I got hurt in the uh, – that year I got hurt in the uh, Mississippi game. Oh, I was out for a while. That so, was the one we, you guys lost, right? Yeah. 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 Game. I was starting it. Oh, my goodness. So for me, it was like you know, just trying to recover. So then when we get when it came to the, uh, the the green the green go the green game with Southern California, uh, the thing even though I was hurt, you know, I was still you know behind everybody. I was still you know in in, in the playing a little bit here and there. But the thing about the green jersey game was uh, we came out in in our blue jerseys. And our regular game, you know, dull blue jerseys. And for we warm had, up, you mean? For warm up? 
for warm up. We didn't, okay. we didn't know, we didn't, we didn't know anything about the green jerseys. Mm-hmm. No captains did. Those guys, these other two guys, <laughs> but as rookies, I was a sophomore, so we didn't, they didn't tell us nothing. <laughs> well, here I am. I'm going. I said, "Well, we got these blue. We got these green. We got these socks with green and gold." I said, "That doesn't look. That doesn't make any sense." So I said, "That we had blue jerseys." I said, that "Don't make any sense." So I said, "Well, uh, we went on out and warmed up. Man, we come back in that locker room, saw those green jerseys. It it, it was just the the whole locker room just went crazy, and uh, it just it's just a moment in that we just knew from that point on we were ready." I mean, you know, you know the name in, in green jerseys? Come on. <laughs> we don't wear whatever. Dull blue or dull white. That's all we maybe. And so, you know, us young guys, so we was it was exciting. So I got to play at the end of that game. Uh, I got to play a little bit at the end. Uh, but I was really happy for the other running backs who got the chance to, to play. It, so. Let me follow up on that. As a 19-year-old, I just realized you were very fashion conscious. At that time, if you're looking at your green, green, gold socks and comparing to your blue, man, that's pretty perceptive, I would well, think. Yeah, but, I mean, but it doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everybody kind of looking at each other, but you know, the other guy that I've been, that's who's green. I said, well, maybe they just switched the socks for this game. I don't know. Maybe so when we came back, this is another game. Shoot. <laughs> so, I said, Lord have mercy. What have we done done now? Hey, boy. I was, so, ready to play the end. I was ready to play. I said, she bit me in. I was limping around. <laughs> so, Lu- so Luther and Ross, you guys knew about this ahead of time. No, I didn't. Oh, Ross, you didn't? Ross knew. Yeah. I didn't. No, know. Ross knew. Okay. You know, Coach Devine, uh, equipment manager, and Digger Phelps. Uh, and, you know, it was just – and Willie Fry, I tell you what, and Terry Urich and, and I, and I think uh, Steve Orsini. Uh, we were there, and Coach said, I got something to do with you guys, too. And he said, I think this might just give us a spark that we need for the season. And I said, wow. I said, okay. And he brought them out, and he showed it to us. I said, oh, man, this is it. This game on. I said, this is on. I said, as soon as, these, uh, as, soon as the teammates and everybody sees this, I think they're going to just be excited, united, and uh, we're just going to go out there and have a great day against USC. How, how how far in advance did you know? Uh, we knew that uh, the first of the week. Wow, that's, that's a, a long, long time to keep, time a, to secret. keep a secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The only thing that we heard is that they told everybody to wear green. I don't know why they were telling everybody to wear green, but they told everybody to wear green. <laughs> student body. Yeah, they're telling everybody in the stadium to wear yeah. green, I guess. I didn't, I didn't know that either. <clears throat> this is it's game Irish, WSP. It's Irish. Yes, thing. it is. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. This is game day on WSBT. We're spending some time with players from the 1977 National Championship mm-hmm. team. Ross Browner, Vegas Ferguson, Luther Bradley. Um, let's bounce, because <clears throat> we're down to only about five minutes already or so. Uh, let's bounce to that uh, Texas game in the Cotton Bowl. And uh, tell me what, uh, what, what was Coach, Coach Devine's uh, speech in the locker room before you guys ran out on that Cotton Bowl. Luther? If I do the same thing, but I was gonna say I'm not even sure he gave a speech. He didn't. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't really. He was mo- a motivator at all. But you know, we just knew we had to go out there and and play hard because you know Earl Campbell was the Heisman Trophy winner, and you know he had gotten all the accolades, and um, they ran the wishbone. They were running like, I think they were scoring like 25, 30 points a ball game. 
But we knew that we our defense was really good, and if we stop them from running the ball, they couldn't throw the ball. So, yeah, it was going to be over if they couldn't throw the ball. I know your your friend Bob Golick was on earlier this year, and he was talking about how bruised up he was from tackling Earl Campbell by the time he, he left in like a whole week or two. He was still sore from it. So, oh, absolutely, man. This guy was a tough bat, tough bat. Yeah, yeah. Ross, how about that uh, going into that game? Well, you know, they, they gave us some uh, reason to be uh, uh, ready to play them because, you know, even at our our ceremony uh, where we were supposed to get our watches and everything, we set us up in the uh, upper part of the restaurant. And, uh, you know, of course, the Texas team was on the bottom part. That that made us mad. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, then we got our watches and everything second. And then, uh, you know, as we went around that whole week, you know, you know, why, why you Catholics come down here? Uh, you know, you know, you know, you shouldn't even show it up because, you know, Texas is the best. You know, Texas is great. I said, well, you know, they haven't played us. You know, how you know they're great? I said, well, you know, they got us steamed up before we even got on the field. So, you know, you want to interview. You were ready to take it to them, right? Oh, man. Yeah, he just said, hey, game on. I mean, just. Let's put the jerseys on, pads, let's go. And uh, when we got that first snap and they tried that wishbone on us, I disrupted everything. I had the dive man, I had the pitch man, and then I had Earl Campbell. And I had to <laughs> intercept that, uh, knock that ball down, and then get the ball back and turn it over to our offense. And we were the first ones to score. And after that, we didn't look back. And uh, I just thought that, you know, um, playing against them and, you know, Earl Campbell, and I think, uh, you know, all their, you know, they had a, a, li- a defensive lineman uh, that. Brad Deer. Brad Deer. Yeah, Brad Ernie, and i tell you what, Ernie Hughes used him all day. I mean, just destroyed him. So, you know, it, it took him out the game, and uh, we just knew that we were just going to dominate that game because, you know, we, we had the attitude, we had the uh, players, Mm-hmm. And we had talent, and we had to definitely the coaches. So, you know, we just went on ahead and uh, just played our game. Yes. You, you had the trifecta. Vegas, your memories from uh, the Cotton Bowl. Well, those guys remember a lot of stuff. Only thing I remember, I remember that the Bears played Dallas, at, that they were, <laughs> and the Bears were in our hotel. I was going to oh. say, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was the week before or that week, but they, they had played. They were gonna play the uh, the Dallas in the playoffs or something. But anyway, uh, yeah, my memory was you know we were underdogs. I do remember a lot of talk about Texas, uh, how they how dominant they had been all year long, um, and you know it just was gonna be a tough game for us. Um, I didn't think about I didn't think about it that much. Yeah, you know, I just my thing was I was young. I was still, I'm a sophomore, so I don't know much. So I said it's another game to me. Um, big game, I guess, and and but I, I you know, but for the most part, I just went in, went in as I went in any game, you know, concentrating on what I had to do, on what we had to do offensively, uh, making sure I knew what I was supposed to do, uh, and try to execute, you know, the best of our abilities because we're playing, a, uh, the, you know, the number one team, really. Right. That, so you guys end up and spank spank them thirty eight to ten, and you mm-hmm. jump four spots to number one, which. Um, she made a lot of other people uh, unhappy. Vince, you got something to wrap up here? Yeah, real crisp, quick, Ross. I wanted to ask you because we're, we're we can all see each other, and I, I apologize to everybody out there in Radio Land, but Ross, you got a picture behind your head. I wanted you to tell me what that picture is of and what your memories are from the the the, the action shot there right behind you. 
Oh, well, that's against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Zach. Zach and uh, Terry Bradshaw. You know, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I just, ooh, I love playing against Pittsburgh because that was a, a good rival for us in our conference and everything with Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, uh, Cleveland, and Houston. And, uh, we, you know, we had a tough, tough conference back there. And, uh, you know, just second, Terry Bradshaw was a, a great honor for me. And uh, I just really enjoyed that. And uh, that was my, I think that was my rookie year uh, that we played against them. But they still won the Super Bowl that year. And uh, <laughs> Willie Fry was on that team. So I was like, Willie, let me see that Super Bowl ring so I can get a feel of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I wish we could spend more time together, but we, we do have limited time. But it's been a big joy. I did want to drive. I don't know if Vince ever heard this story, but. Ross, your very first game, you said as a freshman, um, if I remember right, you blocked the punt and you broke broke the kicker's leg. Was that true? Right? Uh, no, no, no. I knew about the kicker's leg, but I, yeah, oh. <laughs> I the first two points of that year in 1973, and I blocked the uh, Northwestern's uh, punt, and it went out the back of the end zone, and I said, "We're on." I said, "I said this is going to score on the first two points that year for Eric Parsegian and our team." I think I was just so so uh, flabbergasted. And also got some of those butterflies out my stomach, and I was ready to play. <laughs> well, you guys were all outstanding players for for Notre Dame, and you're just like all the other Notre Dame players that I talk to, class people, and uh, go on into life and do a lot of successful things. So we appreciate you just spending the time with us today for a few minutes. And as I always tell everybody, I, I love having everybody back, so I'll be calling you next year. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Jim. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's Ross Browner and Luther Bradley in Vegas, uh, Ferguson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 961 WSBT. Game Day is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with legacy heating and air ensure your family is safe and warm this season schedule service online at legacy heating and air inc.com we're also brought to you by leck lightner door they open all the right doors by monterey mexican grill authentic mexican serve fresh daily at mckinley and division in mishawaka monterey mexican.com by south bend orthopedics team physicians for the university of notre dame since 1949 by Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Get a trusted, familiar name as your good neighbor agent. Call Tim at 232-9981. And by Budweiser. Budweiser is locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Tim? Thanks, Vince. So, what a great first hour as we were Man. telling to our guests. I mean, we could talk for, for another 15 minutes, 20 minutes, probably another half hour with Easily. all of them. But, uh <laughs> All these guys, heroes of mine, when I was growing up watching Notre Dame football and, and of course, the 66 ones uh, last week and stuff. But uh, anything stand out there for you? Uh, it just just listening to those guys and why they come to Notre Dame. That's always my favorite question to ask uh, because it's just different for every guy. It's, it's, you know, whether they stepped on campus, whether it was a conversation with the head coach, you know, Air Parsegian or, or whoever it happened to be at the time. Uh, it's <clears throat> those stories – are awesome. And and to see these guys talking to each other, it takes them back to when they were 19, 20 years old and and it's like it was yesterday for them and it's it's just so much fun to watch those guys interact with each other and share stories and uh you know, it's a time you never forget. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll have another team 
When we come back at the uh, next hour, we will have a Who Are You segment, followed by the 1988 championship team with Tony Rice, Pat Terrell, Anthony Johnson, Frank Stams, and Peter Witte. So we'll have another great 25. We got 25 minutes for that group. Somehow in the schedule, it worked out that way. So, <laughs> hey, that's okay. So we'll take it. So this is your home for Fighting Irish Football. Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT South Bend. Our Notre Dame football Saturday continues with game day. Brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Now your hosts, Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. And welcome back to the second hour of game day. Glad you are with us. Matt Embry's producing back in the studios. Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario in our separate locations, staying COVID healthy. We are less than four and a half hours from kickoff right here on WSBT. For those that are privileged enough to go, like Vince, um, to the game, <laughs> it's going to be about 38 uh, degrees. So, you know, nice thing, uh, decent weather for the game today. So uh, cloudy, and uh, maybe by the end of the game, it might get a little, co- little colder. But uh, Vince will stay warm. With all that great food now they serve up there, right? Well, they don't serve the food anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everything's all separated, so it's not it's not the uh, it's not the press box of old. But uh, still lucky to be able to go to the game because you know since the students are gone, it's just going to be parents uh, right. in the in the stands. So uh, not a whole lot of noise uh, in this game. So it's going to be an interesting atmosphere on a senior day. That, that's for sure. So Vince will be there for the game, uh, but you can stay right here. For football all day long, we got uh, game day sports beat right after our show with Darren Pritchett and Sean Styers. That leads into the network one-hour pregame show. Then it's kickoff just after 2.30 p.m. And your coverage doesn't end there either because we want you to join Sean Styers and Reggie Brooks for the official Notre Dame postgame show where they'll give you all the stats, review the game, and the interviews. All that on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. We're waiting for Brian Driscoll from Ice Breakdown, but we're going to go ahead anyway with our feature that we call, Who Are You? Well, as we wrap up the regular season, uh, let's do a little different Who Are You questions. Uh These are coming to you, Vince. And Vince... Does never know. Nobody knows these questions. They're they're what they used to say. They're kept on Funkin' Wagnall's porch in a mayonnaise jars. What years ago? <laughs> who are you? Since this is the regular season, end of the regular season, who are you? Would be who is the best offensive lineman this year for Notre Dame? Wow. Well, you know, obviously this whole line uh, is a finalist for the Joe Moore Award uh, given to the, the best offensive line in the country, and, and they've done everything to deserve that. There's no doubt about it. They protected Ian Book all season. Uh, they, they've had one heck of a running game all season, uh, and they just work really well as a group of five. Um, if you're looking at it from like an NFL draft standpoint, I think Liam Eikenberg is probably the guy to pick here. Uh, he's going to be, in my opinion, he's going to be a first-round draft pick, and he's deserved of that uh, particular honor. Depending on the way things go, four out of the five of these guys could be gone uh, at the end of this season. Uh, right. Only only Banks uh, could come back, in my opinion. So, uh, And they're going to probably push him out to tackle if he does come back. I think that's the only way that he would come back is if they promise him a tackle position so that he can right, raise his stock uh, in the NFL draft. But... Uh, I mean, it, look, 
if Notre Dame wins the national championship, I, I think all four of those guys are probably gone because, you know, what can you do right. after that, right? So, right. Uh, But Liam Eikenberg has played exceptional football all season. He's the leader of that group. Um, and, and that's again, that's not taking anything away from the other guys that are there, but uh, I think he's probably the headline guy at this point. It wasn't one of my original questions, but we could also say, who are you? Who's going to be the center today, right? We don't know who's going to be playing center today. Well, I think officially yet. I think Zeke Carell is probably going to end He's up staying enough. at center. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, at least that's what we're hearing. Um, and I, I, I don't think Tommy Kramer is going to play uh, today. I think they're going to hold him and, and let him use the bye week to get 100% healthy for Clemson. Uh, frankly, they could suit up you and I uh, to play on the offensive line. I think they'd, we'd be just fine uh, in, in this particular game. So uh, I think Zeke Carell will be just fine. All right, from the receiving cores, who's the most important, maybe best wasn't the right word I used before, the most important receiver on the Irish for this season? Ooh, for the whole season? Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I think if you would have told me that Javon McKinley was going to be the Javon McKinley that we've seen the last few weeks, I'd have told you you were nuts. Uh, He was very highly touted coming out of high school. I mean, he was a, I want to say he was a five-star. I remember watching him in the U.S. Army All-American game and thinking, wow, this kid's going to be good, um, and he might play as a freshman. And we didn't really see anything from Javon McKinley until now, and he's a graduate student. So where would they be without him? With Kevin Austin going down, um, with Braden Lindsey going down, uh, you know, where would this offense be without the services of Javon McKinley? I, I think that he's slowly becoming Ian Book's go-to guy. Um, I, I think that Ben Skronik may have held that mantle in a couple of games, but I think after the last couple, Ian Book is willing to put those ball, those 50-50 balls up uh, anywhere near Javon McKinley, and he's showing Ian Book that he'll come down with them. Uh, great diving catch last week. Uh, you know, he comes down with those 50-50 balls. I, I, I think Javon McKinley has proven himself to be the MVP of this wide receiving core this season, and if he's not around, I don't know who steps into that role, to be perfectly honest with you. So, um, a big year for Javon McKinley. I mean, I, I'm super excited for the kid. I think he's a good kid. I think uh, he deserves all the positive things that come his way. And, and uh, he, he has made this opportunity count because there was talk. I remember this time last year we were talking about right. next year. No, We didn't think he was even going to get invited mm-hmm. back. Right. And uh, the, the, the staff took a chance, and, and Brian Kelly talked about it in his press conference. He said, look, we didn't invite him back. He invited himself back by doing – you know, X, Y, Z, mm-hmm. and he did it. And so they brought him back, and he has uh, – he's they have paid that off. There is no question about that. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on 96.1 WSBT. We're talking to Vince, who's got his hat on now for Irish Breakdown. So let's move to the D, the um, most important defensive lineman. Ooh, that's tough. Um Look, Adengo Ogundeji had a, an amazing game last week. He was all over the field, um, and, and Dalen Hayes has had one heck of a season. And I think I think I'm going to go with Dalen Hayes only because of uh, you know not only what he does on the field but what he does off the field. The, the kid's a heck of a leader. Uh, he is the man when it comes to stopping the run. Uh, I think that I, I picked him for my game ball going into this week. I think he's going to have you know a heck of a game. It, Look, Syracuse doesn't run the ball very well uh, against, 
you know, decent run defenses. Well, Dalen Hayes is the leader of this run defense, and they are a top five run defense in the country. And uh, he's going to have a big day. I think he's going to get a couple sacks potentially. I think he's going to be in. He's just going to live in the orange backfield uh, today. I, I just. From his leadership to his play on the field, I just think that he's probably the MVP of the of that front four. Just a, on my part, a little note. I've just been impressed with Kern Heinish in the middle. Oh, there's no you know, question. He, he, yeah. His name doesn't get called a lot as much, but man, he's <clears> taken <throat> taken on you know that center and, and got to get people occupied, so that makes it a little easier for the defensive ends and stuff. But man, he's having a heck of a year. Well, what, he, he, what age? What age? What class is he? I think he's a senior but i'm you know everybody's got a year left so right uh he could definitely yeah, come back okay. um okay. so he, he's a senior in, you know in, in grade eligibility wise I, I know he's got more eligibility so but he's just he's a lunch pail guy right he's the guy that just comes to work and just does his job and you know regardless of the uh you know the the fanfare and the headlines and things like that. If you if you keep your eye on forty one, uh, he does his job. He fights through double and triple teams, and and he allows those other guys to kind of to play one on one. And that's what you're that's what you ask those guys at you know at that one technique at that nose position to do. You ask them to take on the double teams, uh, you know, make a pile in the middle, make it difficult to run up the middle, and he does that. And he he pushes the pocket backwards, and that's his job. And he's not going to get his name called a whole lot. But if he doesn't do his job, then the linebackers aren't able to do their job. They, they can't scrape over the top, and, and they have to fight off blocks. And if Kurt Heinisch can swallow and eat all that up, then it just makes everybody else's job around him easier, and that's what he does. All right, this will be an interesting one because Uh-oh. you're going to have competing feature players in two positions. Between the defensive backfield – and linebacker core. Oh, boy. The most important person. I'm going to make you choose between the two obvious, probably. Oh. Lusa Cormo and uh, um, Kyle Hamilton. That, so. That's tough. Uh, those those two are elite. That's what you're getting paid the big bucks for. Man. The, those, <laughs> I'll tell you, I might throw you a curveball here as I go through this in my head. Uh, but those, those two are, are elite players, right? I mean, it's. Clark Lee has used the two of them uh, in ways that they can only help the defense. So for what, what I mean by that is uh, team saw last year and at the beginning of this year, how good Jeremiah Wusukoromoa was. And so they've been going away from him. Uh, so his stat line has gone down from what it was last year, but that doesn't mean he's a worse player. That means he's a better player because teams are going away from him. Well, Clark Lee is bringing Kyle Hamilton down on the other side and just saying, Hey, which way do you want to go? You pick your poison because Kyle Hamilton could very easily be the leading tackle. He was the leading tackler when he got ejected from the game for targeting, which, by the way, was a terrible – it was a good call but a terrible rule. How's that sound? Yeah. Um, but uh, he was the leading tackler at that time, and even though he went out in the middle of the second quarter, he still ended up being the second leading tackler in the game. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that that's how good he is, all mm-hmm. right? Um, but if we're talking about most important, uh, here's my curveball for you. I'm going to go with Sean Crawford, and, and here's why. There was a hole there at that other safety position, and when we heard that they were moving Sean Crawford to that spot, we were all kind of, you know, is that more because he's the best second safety, or is that because nobody else is playing very well, right? Well, we had issues after games one and two, I want to say, but after that, 
he has solidified the back end of that defense. Uh, he comes up and he makes plays. Uh, you know, they call him Grandpa because he's been yeah. around forever, and he could come back for a seventh year. Uh, Tim. I know, I saw he that. Could, he's going to be a doctor by the time he leaves Notre Dame. <laughs> but uh, look, he, I think he really, he's not the best athlete. Uh, you know, he's not that marquee player like those other two guys. But I think he has solidified the back end with his play, with his leadership, uh, with his knowledge of the defense. I just. I don't know where the secondary would be if number 20 wasn't on the field. And and knock on wood, you know, he's made it the whole season without getting injured, uh, mm-hmm. which is even a bigger feat probably in the in the land of Sean Crawford. So uh, I just think that he has just been a, a great addition to that safety backfield and, and, and what he's been able to do. Whoa. You know, I really just get you to say all these names that I can't pronounce, so that's why. <laughs> Are we going to say Ui Angalale? Are we going oh, back to that? My, yeah, you're going to say it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you just love saying that. I do. So you're, you're hoping Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, and uh, again, he gets hurt or has COVID the second that's right. time, right? So you can mention that name. Because I practice that name a lot, man. I, I got to, you know, I don't think I've used it enough, so. <laughs> All right, so tell our listeners how they can hear your great podcast and, and uh, get the newsletter and everything else on Irish Breakdown. Well, irishbreakdown.com is where you can find all the information. We've got uh, you know our blog that we do or our message board that we do during the game, and so Brian and I are, are, uh, are on that the entire game, kind of giving out our thoughts and, and as the game goes on. And, of course, you, you can find our podcast at irishbreakdown.com. You can also download the SoundWise app or Apple Podcasts. Uh, and you can get our uh, – we do, you know, preview podcasts. We do prediction podcasts. We do review podcasts. Uh, and then we're, we're, we're going to start doing uh, some, some different stuff as well uh, moving forward. I, I've been talking to a couple of guys and uh, some of our media colleagues, and uh, we're going to do some Irish crossover podcasts where we start talking about – women's basketball and hockey and, and, and things of that nature. So you're going to have all kinds of fun with our podcast if you go in there and you download those. And, uh, and of course, all the information you can find on irishbreakdown.com. So come on over. We do it for the fans, and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Great. Thank you. And that's our Who Are You segment. Stay with us. We're back after a short break with member of the 1988 National Championship team on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Streaming at the WSBT radio app. Back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Yep, yep, Game Day is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at Legacy Heating and Air, Inc., Com. We're also brought to you by Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing. Contact Joel Ladig in Mishawaka or John Shaver in South Bend. By Fisher's Barbecue and Catering, visit their new location at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive through carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke. By Food Bank of Northern Indiana, not all heroes wear capes. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana reminds us that we can all play a role in ending hunger in our communities. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Four Winds South Bend, Escape the Everyday. By Genesis Products, Inc., CDLA Drivers Wanted. Send your name and phone numbers to driverswanted at genesisproductsinc.com. Genesis pays you what you're worth, $23 to $26 an hour for CDLA drivers. 
by Industrial Door of Northern Indiana, dedicated to providing the best in garage doors, and by Irish Realty Steve Smith Team. When buying or selling a home to building and remodeling, go Irish, Irish Realty. Back to you, Tim. Thanks, Vince. Thanks for everybody's patient. We're a popular show, and we want to talk yeah, about our sponsors and stuff. I mean, I thought, were we ever going to get to the interview or what? <laughs> oh, I'm afraid the other guys are afraid they're not going to get any words in edgewise when you start talking. No, 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 no. I'm going to let them. I like to li- I get older, I like to listen. There you go. <laughs> hey. I like what he said. He said, we just look, just look for the smoke. That's what we used to say about Tony Rice. We say, man, just look for the smoke. That's how fast, that's how fast he was. <laughs> yeah, Vince, Vince knew there'd be such a segue. He wanted to set you up for that, Frank. Just gotcha. <laughs> so let me set this up. So joining us in this next segment, players from the 1988 uh, team and a team manager, we've got uh, Tony Rice, Anthony Johnson, Frank Stams, and we're waiting for Pat Terrell, and we have uh, manager Peter Witte. So we're going to get going here, but what I first want to start with, um, I've developed a really good relationship with the Holtz Heroes Foundation. I know you guys are all members of that. And we talk every week uh, about the good things you're doing. Peter's a board member. Peter, can you tell me a little bit about what some of the projects are that Holtz Heroes Foundation is starting on? Absolutely, Tim. But first, I would be remiss if I did not say two things. One, each of the gentlemen on the phone or the radio right now are legends in the Witty household. Uh, Everyone knows the T. Rice, AJ, and Frank Stams. Unfortunately, they know too much about Frank. Secondly, (laughs) nice. Where do you live? We're partying at your house. (laughs) Phoenix, Frank, and you won't need that hat. Oh, no. I just just came in from walking the dogs. It's it's cold here, like it is in South Bend. Secondly, Tim, it's a great, great week for Coach Holtz. As everyone knows, he uh, won the professional, I'm sorry, the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom, and we are so proud of him. Uh, And it's just been a, a, a wonderful week for him. And I just wanted to let that everyone know that. Uh, with respect to the foundation, it is first and foremost uh, designed to help our communities and to help the uh, families of our deceased brothers who have passed on. Unfortunately, there's way too many of them. Uh, and to make sure we help them either educationally or with uh, professional advice or things that can help their families. We also have a significant presence in our local communities with the Bread of Life uh, food shelters and in the food drives that we offer. So that's what the organization really spends its time and money on. And how can uh, just the general public, if they want more information or want to make a donation, how can they do that? Holtzesheroes.org. Very easy to do. Uh, we take all donations, of course. Uh, we'll put them to good use, we promise. All right. We appreciate that, Peter. And really, we really do appreciate the relationship with the Holtz Heroes Found- Foundation. So let's get started here. But I want to tell everybody, in the last 24, 48 hours, there's already been smack uh, between a number of players that I've been texting back and forth, but I was just asking them what to do. Uh, Frank did want to know what the dress code was, so I said there really isn't a dress code, so we don't know what he's wearing under his face. Let's start some questions here get going. Where have we been starting? And, of course, you're the 88 uh, championship team. We've already had players on from the 73 and 77. So where I start with, I'll start with you, Tony. Are those guys still alive? (laughs) Going into the 88 season, Coming out of the 87 season, Tony, what was your reflections if you can think about what you thought this team was going to be like? Well, you didn't really know. You know you're going to be in a successful team, but how are you going to put everything together? We had so many people moving to, you know, different positions in order to play because we were so deep um, at every position. So, you know, Coach Host had in mind, and I I still do this every day, have a game plan for each and every day. And 
you know, you take one day at a time. And I'm glad that we had a, a, a situation or a time in our life that we took that year one game at a time to focus on our, our main goal is to win them all. So, um, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. And, uh, and, and, again, looking at the quarterback position, you know, you had Kent Graham in there as well as a good quarterback. And here I am trying to fight for position. But then at the end of it, we all helped each other out and doing to be the best football player out there. That seems to be the Notre Dame trait for quarterbacks. They help each other, whether they're starting and get replaced or whether they're replacement and want the starting position. So um, we've seen that, uh, seen that a lot. Anthony, AJ, what were you thinking? You're a local product here from South Bend Adams. Yoo-hoo! So <laughs> what, um, what was your think going into the season? Did you think this was going to possibly end up in a national championship or just unsure? Yeah, I, I don't know that I had a, a real thought about that, um, you know, uh, Tony mentioned something that uh, I think Lou was outstanding at that I was uh, very focused on, and that was really just one day at a time. And, you know, I, I was trying to survive, uh, you know, one-on-one pass rush uh, or playing stands, you know, trying to take my head off. You know, every day was just a battle, and each play was kind of a battle. And so I, I didn't really uh, peer out, if you will, um, to the big picture. Uh, I really took it a day at a time and felt like that was kind of the way – uh, we were we were again uh, coach, and that's the way that season went. And then it was kind of like, oh man, look at this! You know, by the time Miami came around, we were like, dude, we were like, you know, we're there. And we started to realize, you know, kind of get a sense of who we really were as a team, and that we were champions. But uh, it happened a day at a time. That's kind of my sense of it. Frank, I don't. I, I... You must still be playing defensive end because you've been bobbing and weaving all, all over the picture screen. Actually, I'm a little dizzy myself. So, uh, I can't. What's the picture you're holding up for us? Some guys, some guys, the guys that we used to play with, you know, uh, Pat and Tony. Anthony remembers some of these knuckleheads. Lanza, Stoney's in this picture, Pritchett's in this picture. But if you ask me the same question, here's Butler and Tim Scannell. Uh, if you name, that same name dropper, name that dropper, season, name dropper. Huh? You're what? a name dropper, man. No, 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 no. I just want to recognize those guys because, you know, that's important because you got to know, you know, you know where you came from. A lot of our success was from those guys we learned from when I was a freshman. Like, you know, uh, Mike Gann, my man, Mike Gann was awesome. Uh, Jay Underwood, you know, they taught us the, the ropes. You just don't walk into something you're, you're, you know, my, for me, it was my fifth year. And then all of a sudden have success. I, I do that for a reason. If you ask me the same question, you asked Tony and, and Anthony and, and, uh, is Pat on yet? He is not. What is wrong with him, man? Oh my God! <laughs> that smack talk you were Jesus you were given to him. He, he backed out after that. On that is a, this is a serious fine. But I was I was scared to death going into that season. Uh, I remember the powwow the night before the Michigan game with Barry Alvarez and God. I I, I don't I don't think I you know I mean we were talking about the game and and and, and AJ talked about a, a plan. Uh, you know, th- that's what it's all about, having, you know, getting, clo- getting close to Coach Holtz in the, the last 10 years. I mean, he doesn't do anything without a plan. And, you know, we were going over our plan the night before, and, and you know, I-, I remember just, you know, being really, really nervous about the game. But it was a good nervous. You know, you don't want to be so nervous that you, you're, you're out there running around, you know, 
you know, like an idiot. It, you know, it, it was just, it was always, and that's was the magic of Lou Holtz is, is, is that he always had us believe. And if we didn't, we, we didn't play our best. Uh, we, 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 there was a possibility we'd lose the game. I remember going into rice rice hadn't won a game in, in, I don't know, you know, four seasons. And I was thinking, Oh my God, if we don't play well, we're going to lose the rice. And so he, we always had that edge about us uh, playing, you know, playing for coach Holtz. Hey Tim, can I answer that question from the outside? Yeah, I was just gonna. Go, I was just gonna go to you. It was inconceivable to me that these guys would lose a football game, and I am dead serious. I remember when Pat knocked the ball down against Miami, and somebody asked Coach afterwards, "Well, what would have happened if they'd have scored?" And his answer was spot on. He said, "We had forty-five seconds left. We would have scored and won that game." And I cannot <laughs> believe that. Thank you, Anthony, for recovering that onside kick. It was very helpful. <laughs> this is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on WSBT. We're with that was Peter Witte. We're also with Frank Stams, Anthony Johnson, Tony Rice, and did Pat Terrell join us? No, it's not Pat. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell who that was down there, but anyway, somebody, somebody's in and going to be listening to all you guys talk. So, um, Tony, Lou, Lou Holtz. Everybody, one of the biggest things was. His adjustments for people making sure they're in the right positions. He, I know he moved some people around. And everything. What kind of coaching was he doing with you? Oh, coach, <laughs> coach was very hard on me in practice. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I didn't know my name for a while, but um, it got to a point that uh, <laughs> he brings out the best in you. And uh, for me, it was more of how I'm going to accept him talking to me this way. And I'm a grown man, but then. Coach Cordelli, Pete Cordelli was our offensive quarterback. Mm -hmm. He says, or he said, always listen to words that is coming out of his mouth, not the tone of his voice. So that really took me along to deal with Coach Holtz and take him to a, a, my little playing field of like everything's happy. Smile, kill him with kindness, but then <laughs> take advantage of what he's giving you, which is knowledge, because he's not there to hurt you. He's there to help me to get to, and to be the best quarterback I can and to think like him while I'm on the field. So he put I, a lot of faith in you as a quarterback once you were out there, right? I'm glad at first I thought yeah. he didn't have faith in me, but <laughs> <laughs> he did. Anthony Johnson, Lou, 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 Lou Holtz coaching style. Anthony. Oh, must, must load. Yeah, I'm kind of crazy. Well, here, let me pick that Let's up. Go. I'm yeah. dying to answer that question. <laughs> Lou Holtz never had any more than me. Well, there's Anthony. Go ahead, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, we're just talking about Lou Holtz, his coaching style, and maybe what he did for you know in the running running back position too. Yeah, very similar to what what Tony says. Um, you know, Lou Lou had a standard that um, that was his own that he was not afraid to share with us. And, and basically that was excellence and perhaps perfection. And, and that's really the way we approached it um, because he, would, he wouldn't give us, uh, you know, much room for error in that regard. And, and yet at the same time, I didn't feel like he was overbearing uh, necessarily. Um, and in other words, kind of what Tony was saying, we accepted what he was saying and we accepted to some degree that what he was trying to communicate was – was the best for us, and, and we embraced that. Um, and I will say, though, that, that Tony was a very 
I mean, he was a perfect leader for us in that regard because there were several times that I remember during practice that Lou would get after Tony in a way that I was like, dang. I mean, I like, I look in his eyes and Tony was like, he would take it. Like he said, he would smile. He'd keep moving on. And I was like, man, that's awesome. I want to be like that. Cause inside when Lou got after you, man, you felt like <laughs> you that. So I appreciated Tony's leadership in that regard. Um, but, but ultimately we did, we embraced it, that, that Lou was trying to, to help us. And, and we definitely saw that. Frank Sams, now you get your chance, Frank. Oh, man. You know, the only time Lou came after me was really off the field, you know, uh, you know, I, whether I was going to class or where, where, where I was during the week, you know, I, in Chicago or what, because he was coaching, he was coaching the offense during, during the week. He came down and, 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 and this is the essence. You, you're nailing this. This is, this is the, this is the difference with this team and what I see in this team this year. Is you know he came down to coach us a couple times. We had some bad weeks, especially after Pittsburgh. Uh, he came down to coach the defense for a week, and Barry Alvarez said, "Listen, you know we either play better. Or you you guys got to go through that for the rest of the year." And like, oh my God, that, you talk about incentive to play better to get him off our side of the practice field. But 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 nobody was going to tell Anthony. Nobody was going to tell Tony how to carry the ball. Nobody in. And so they had that. They they had that. What what I want to say: intestinal fortitude. They had that extra layer of skin. I learned that my fifth year. That I was like, listen, you know, nobody. Why, why am I listening to all these guys t- trying to tell me how to rush the pass, uh, 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 the passer, going into that season? What I, what I think the takeaway. Nobody was going to tell Tony. I think I said this, but nobody was going to tell Tony how to run the option. I did. But in my opinion, maybe this maybe this applies to uh, to Tony and the other guys. Is I took Lou's intensity, his will to win, his 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 readiness, his preparation, his competitive nature, his goal or being goal oriented. Uh, you know, being you know, you know his his you know his his will. Uh, I took that with me and then said, Hey, listen, I'm going to let it go and, and let myself play. And I think that's what Barry Foge Fazio and then Barry Alvarez afterwards started to develop that culture on the defense where we are guys just flying around making plays and letting it happen. Uh, and, and really, you know, and, and saying, you know, you know, and letting our, our ability, why we were at Notre Dame, why we were, you know, the athletes that were being recruited nationally and let that come out rather than, you know, trying to, you know, before I was trying to, you know, I was listening to the guy tell me how to rush the passer. You can't tell somebody how to rush the passer. You just you 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 encourage them and you, you help them. And uh, and 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 that to me that was uh, that was the difference for the defense going in that year. As Foge and Barry did that, and you know, with some exceptions on the the, the offense, whereas more of a it's a fine, you know, from what I saw outside looking in, because I saw those guys coming off the practice field, they all seen looked like they seen a ghost. They were drilled so hard, but offense was a little bit different it, it, it machine than than defense. Frank, that's, you just identified why Pat Terrell moved to safety, man. That's why he went to the defense. Yeah, because he was a cool cat, laid back, and he fit our. He fit, you know, we, you know, you you guys don't know this, but. You know, not many people know this, but you know the defense was assigned a, an offensive player the the previous year 
to just kind of look after them on campus, walk with them, you know, and, and, and check on them at night because, you know, they were a delicate bunch. They were, you know, you know, they were being bullied. And it wasn't until the, the, the Miami game that that's my fifth year, you know, the Miami game we all talk about is that they came into their own and we thought that they had things handled. So we, we you know, we we were, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't have to follow them around much anymore. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show on WSBT 96.1. That was Frank Sam's talking. We're also with Anthony Johnson, Tony Rice, Peter Witte. Did Pat, did you join us now? I'm here. All right, man. All right. So, well, just, guys, we're going to make this the Pat show the rest of the time because he wasn't on before. So, so Pat, we're talking, uh, one of the questions we are just talking about was uh, Coach Holtz's uh, style of coaching. And I know you had Barry Alvarez, a great guy, great coach on the defensive side. But what kind of influence did uh, Coach Holtz have in the defensive backfield? Oh, tremendous influence. I mean, you know, I was listening to Frank talk about it. And when I got to the defensive side of the ball, Excuse me. When I got to the defensive side of the ball, it was so less intense as far as coaching is concerned. You know, when I got over there, Coach Holtz, you know, mainly worked with the deep, with the offense, and so uh, you know, being part of a group that was just talented, fast, and you didn't want to you didn't want to let anyone down. I mean, the same went with with offense, but there was a lot more instruction. You could be a little bit more free free flowing on defense. So, uh, but you know, as far as answering your questions about about Coach Holtz. You know, Holtz would get in your brain. He, he, he well, at least for me, he would, and uh, he knew how to bring the best out of you. Coach Holtz uh, challenged you. He rose the bar for you, and he was—he he was a great influence when I was in college, and he's been a big influence in us and me personally right now uh, as an adult and a father and a, and a and a business leader. But but it was a thrill to play for him, and it was a thrill to play with my uh, with my boys. So your team beat uh, number two, number four, number five, and number seven as they were ranked at the end of the season in the AP poll. So let's get to the Miami game. You know, that's always a pink elephant in the room. So uh, let's, <laughs> let's get let's start with Tony. Just give me some impressions. We'll go around the horn. Some impressions of that of that game. Maybe of things that we don't already know about. Um, basically, you know, it was a great team that was coming into our backyard. And uh, you look at that situation. No one wants to lose at home. And uh, if someone comes to your house trying to take something or steal something away from you, you'll fight for it to get it back. And that's what they tried to do. And um, they came with a, um, a good defense and um, a good offense as well. But um, I always go back to what Coach, Coach Host always said to us, you know, the three things can win a game, you know, no turnovers, you know, the special team comes to play and the defense don't let them score. So you win the game. And that's what I was thinking about in my mind, that don't turn the ball over. There's so much you can do in a game. Control what you do the best. Don't worry about anyone else's position because they will take care of their own. Just encourage them. And um, that is one of the things that I reflect back on that game, that how much we work together because we have a common goal. The common goal is to win the game. And um, it, it took to the last couple seconds, you know, 45 seconds that we had left in the game. We're patting yeah. the ball down to secure that win. Sure. Uh, Anthony Johnson, thoughts on the Miami game? Yeah, um, I guess there are several, but uh, three that kind of stand out. Um, that that game, uh, particularly for me, I didn't play as much, um, but I, I had a great seat to most of the game. and watched <laughs> a great game. And, and like Tony said, uh, Miami was super talented, a great team, but so were we. And, um, 
and obviously got the better of them. But I remember three things in particular. One is Lou's uh, pregame speech, and uh, he, he set up the mono e mono with he and Jimmy Johnson. Um, <laughs> save his uh, his nice derriere for me, and and that that hyped us up. We were out. And uh, the second thing was pregame. Um, there may be somebody on this call who, who, who might have had something to do with the first uh, punch that started. <laughs> That um, would be that would be Peter, right? Peter threw the first punch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I think it was Peter, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> and, and then Peter, uh, he 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 hit it. Uh, you know, I was kind of longing for my opportunity to make a huge contribution. Got a few plays uh, during that game, but but man, you never know. And this was one of the things again that stands out to me about the way uh, Lou coached us and the way I took it personally because. Yeah, who knows, man? If uh, if I hadn't jumped on that that onside kick at the end, you know, who knows what might have happened? And so, I just about that, yeah. I just I just yeah. remember uh, just feeling honored to be a part of that game to contribute in the ways that I was able to, and um, you know, and, and it's cool because you know I had a, I had a huge role most of the the year, but that game Braxton played. I mean, it's just, so it's just fun to be a part of the team, whether you have. Uh, a huge role or, or not as much a role just to contribute. So that, those are kind of my thoughts on the game. Well said. That's Anthony Johnson, Frank Sams. You know, what What more can be said about that game or what else can be said about that game that hasn't been said already? But, I, you know, you're looking back on it and try to, you know, shed a different perspective on things. But really, you know, it was just a, it was a game of um, a, a game of plays. I mean, big plays and. You know, um, and that's you know, I think that's why I think that's what makes it, you know, in my opinion, uh, such a great game. And that's why, you know, you watch games. You want to see, you know, you want to see great plays, both from Miami and, and, and Notre Dame. And, you know, we were just lucky enough. We made more plays than they did. And, um, you know, it was just a great afternoon. Beautiful day. Uh, you know, the crowd, it was awesome crowd. And, uh, you know, it's uh Probably just a just a great memory for for myself. Pat down down there. Where, where are you located, Pat? I forget. I'm in Chicago. You're in Chicago, so you're you're you're, you're up. You didn't have the same uh, time problems as uh, Chris Haynes had. So uh, <laughs> Chris Chris Haynes came out an hour late to join you guys because he, he forgot it was Eastern Standard Time that I gave him. But it's, it's I, all good. I dig. I, I digress. So your thoughts uh, about the Miami game? Well, it was, uh, you know, everyone's kind of already described how uh, thrilling it was. It was a great game, the buildup. And, uh, you know, me being from Florida, it, I had a lot of friends on that Miami Hurricane team. So it, it was quite personal for for me. Uh, but the guys in this phone call really, you know, had huge, huge gains. I mean, Anthony talked about that onside kick return or uh, recovery. That that was huge. And if you ever go back and watch that, it wasn't an easy onside to uh, – to recover he did a tremendous job uh, right there but tony had an amazing game and 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 quite frankly i benefited from frank stams period i mean he was a beast that day he pressured the quarterback oh uh, dude you are <laughs> i know i did man <laughs> you are so that is so cool if pat could see your hat frank i don't know it might be a little different wow. you might have said something different. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, you get, you're going to get an extra big hug from me. <laughs> <laughs> but I really did, man. You tipped the ball that I was able to, you know, take it to the house. 
Uh, pass rush all day. We had great coverage back. Well, you know, pretty good coverage because I know Steve Walsh put up a tremendous amount of yards against us. But you know, bend but don't break. And the and we knew going into that game that they were going to move the ball. Just don't allow them, you know yards after the catch. And we did a a great job with that. But Barry Alvarez put us out there in the right spot. Every, you know, someone else said on this call, you know, but so many different plays. And I think when you look back, I've heard a couple different uh, numbers, but, you know, it was between 20 and 23 guys that played in the NFL that played in that game alone. Right. And, uh, I saw that. and matter of fact, Frank and I, when we were in L.A. on the Rams, <laughs> in yeah. between our lockers was uh, right. Bill Hawkins and Cleveland Gary and Robert Bailey. So the, the game didn't finish. Wow. Uh, when we walked off the field, <laughs> did it, Frank? Right, no, that's right. Those uh, guys Cle- were, Cleveland Gary, especially Cleveland Gary, was always crying about that. <laughs> they did not let it go, man. They didn't let it go, <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't let them forget it either. So, Peter, any thoughts from managing all these guys or helping managing all these guys? I have two thoughts, one for Miami and, and one which will, I'll let you go. So for Miami, I tell my wife we've been married 32 years. Uh, I was in the in Desert Storm, and I also have witnessed the birth of my three children. And I say I've never been more exhilarated in my life than the moment that Pat knocked that ball down, and I mean it to this day. Mm. Secondly, I would say, and you guys can guess on this, of the four men on the phone, one of them does the best spot-on impersonation of Coach Holtz, period. One of them forgot his helmet for the pit game, and I had to get my roommate to drive it there. <laughs> One of them may or may not have sworn mildly at Coach Holtz in the national championship game. And one of them gave the greatest inspirational speech in the history of mankind before the USC game. You can guess which of the four did each of those things. <laughs> Be, in, be impressed for time. We only got about a couple minutes. Give us the answers. So, and uh, air the dirty laundry here. Uh, well, Mr. Wright needed a little help with his helmet. <laughs> Mr. Terrell could do coach better than anyone. Um, Anthony, who has never sworn in his life, may or may not have said something to coach on the goal line before a fourth goal, fourth and one. Um, and Mr. Stamps did give the greatest inspiration well, speech of all time. Well, hold on now. Before that, I, I tell you, I had been drinking before that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that, that was uh, Joe Moore's fault because Joe Moore knew that I was drinking. He got in my ear and he oh, kept geez. whispering things about, you know, we're going to, we don't need those guys. We don't need them. We don't need them. And of course he got me all fired up in that, in that, in that room. And, uh, of course, and then I when Lou Holtz, you know, gave me the perfect lead in, I, you know, I, 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 I just jumped up. I don't know what I was thinking. So, hey, Tony Rice, but thank you for recognizing that, Peter. And I, was, I was just kidding. I wasn't drinking. Hey, Tony, Tony Rice, you got 30 seconds to defend yourself with the helmet. <laughs> I, I don't know why I was. I'm the snot nosed sophomore. <laughs> so, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I packed it, it wasn't there. So, I had to use someone else's mouthpiece as well. <laughs> but, you know, the reality, Tony, is uh, the answer to all four of them is we were all drinking. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what made some foul words come out of your mouth? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Frank Stamps, Frank Stamps gave the greatest inspirational speech that our team has ever heard. Oh, my God. I got nightmares from that. Oh, my God. 
All right, we got a, like one minute. Does anybody have? And I've been doing this for 21 years. I love Lou Holtz stories. Anybody in one minute got a decent story they can recite in that time? Pat. Pat. <laughs> You're right. Good, AJ. You uh, said, I got it. You got it. Don't be, don't be bashful, guys. Pat, they're saying you. Oh, man. Oh, whole stories. I got a million of them. But I just I remember uh, having a tough practice when I was on the offensive side of the ball. He called me down to his office. He said, Pat Terrell Harger, because the way you're practicing right now, you couldn't start for Mishawaka Junior College. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. That's great. Well, guys, the same thing we told the 73 team and the 77 team that Ron earlier. We could spend another 15, 20 minutes uh, on this, but I really appreciate you taking out your time out of a Saturday morning to ju- uh, join us. We love these little mini reunions, and you'll probably get a call from me to try to do something again next year. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Great seeing you guys. Thank you so much. Hey, Frank. 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 To Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. And our Game Day show is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at Legacy Heating and Air, Inc., Dot com. We're also brought to you by Lechleitner Door. They open all the right doors. By Monterey Mexican Grill. Authentic Mexican serve fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka. MontereyMexican.com. By South Bend Orthopedics. Team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Get a trusted, familiar name as your good neighbor agent. Call Tim at 232-9981. And by Budweiser. Budweiser locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Tim? Thanks, Vince. And we thank our sponsors each and every show and each and every year that we're on that make this all possible. So how about a little uh, concise? I know it's not like anybody's given Syracuse any kind of chance at all. No. So, so uh, what, what will make it interesting for you to be watching for? Well, look, it, in no way would I ever say that Notre Dame is going to lose this game. They could play their walk-ons and third-teamers and probably still win this game. So it's not a matter of whether they're going to win or lose. It's a matter of can they keep the momentum going into the bye week and then uh, into the ACC championship. So that you know that's what we're going to be keeping our eye on. I, I, I expect a big day for me in book because I think the coaching staff is going to structure the game plan so that he has a big game uh, in his last game at Notre Dame Stadium because he's definitely going to leave. Um, so I, I think that they're going to want to send him out with the game ball, if you will. So I think he has a big day. I think, I think the Irish, you know, I hope to see them score, you know, 35 points in the first half. Uh, you know, the, the first team gets a, a series in the third quarter and, and then it's time to turn it over to the rest of the guys, get those walk on seniors on, get those second string guys in. Let, let's get some guys experience. I, I've got a score prediction of 52 to seven. I, I think just no matter what Notre Dame wants to do, they're going to be successful in doing it. So it should be a lot of fun to watch, especially if you like uh, to watch some Irish fireworks. All right. Sounds good. Good to me. 
Thank you to uh, Matt Embry back in the studio for producing and our personal thanks to all our guests for taking time out of their day to chat with us and make the show what it is. Don't miss our next show, which is tentatively set at 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on December 19th prior to the ACC championship game. Some of the scheduled guests include Terry Hanratty, Ned Bolkar, Evan Sharpley, Chris Stewart, John Goodman, and now Chris Haynes. We hope you join us for that show once again, 11 to 1 p.m. For Vince Daddario, this is Tim Growl. Again, we thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show on your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio 96.1, WSBT South Bend. Go Irish! Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 